Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Samuel and chapter number 8. 1 Samuel and chapter 8. So we come to this uh, preaching time of the service. It will really just be a part of the sending. I think you'll see that here in just a moment. Appreciate uh, you all uh, being a part of that sending team and trying to be a help there in the Landy's life. And, and it's very exciting. It really is. And you... you uh, you would only need to get boarded on the plane and step off in Sri Lanka to see that there needs to be more missionaries there and many other parts of the world uh, just like it. So 1 Samuel chapter 8, um, it is a blessing to have their neighbor here today. That's a blessing that you all came. Thank you for being here. That's great. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 8. Uh, this is our series and I'll explain the background uh, to this. I thought about departing and going to the book of Acts or someplace else like that for a, uh, maybe a, what you might consider more of a missions-oriented type passage, but I think you'll see the significance of it as we get into it. So it says in verse 1, And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre that'd be money and took bribes and perverted judgment. And then verse 4 says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old. I'm sure there's a better way they could have <laughs> approached the prophet than that, but behold, thou art old. He says, they say, and thy sons walk not in thy ways, and now make us a king to judge us, notice this, like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. But notice what Samuel did. You've got to appreciate the man's, uh, the prophet's spiritual um, approach to life. He's heartbroken, and, but here's what he does. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. God helped him with his perspective. In verse 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me. Notice this that I should not reign over them. They didn't want God to rule over them. That's a sad, sad commentary right there. We don't want God to rule. Had he done a poor job? No. According to all the works which they have done, God continues to explain, since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, in other words, grant their desire, hearken unto their voice, how be it, how be it, yet protest solemnly unto them. And show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And we're going to stop our reading there, but he goes on to explain 
um, the type of control that this king would have in their life. And so tonight, uh, the title of the message is this, and, and this is for everybody. Now, this is a, a sending service, a special service for the Landys. And you may feel like for the first um, several minutes or first part of this message that I forgot that it is a sending service, but I haven't. Okay, just know that up front. But it's a message for everybody. And we're getting started in a new section of Samuel. And, and this is just the first entry message to it. I believe there's some work that we're going to need to do here because it's so relevant to all of us. And so the title of the message tonight is this. Make sure your delight is right. Make sure your delight is right or your desires will be wrong. Worse yet, they might come to pass. Make sure your delight is right. Or your desires will be wrong, and even worse than that, they might actually come to pass. Now, not all that's the title, in case you're wondering. Make sure your delight is right. May God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated. I'd like to give a little background as to why we're staying in the series here tonight for this special sending service. And it actually comes from uh, Brother Landy early in the week. Uh, he he, uh, he texted me with no expectations, but here's, here's what he shared. He said, I don't know what your plans are for Sunday night. And at that point, I didn't either. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> you know, thinking about the passage, thinking about the night and all those things. But he, here's what he said. I'm just going to, is this all right, Brother John? I'm reading your text. Okay. But he said, but 1 Samuel 9, 1 Samuel 8, this area of scripture that we're in, and the sermon, Brother, Brother Davison, Brother Sam Davison, for those that are guests, Brother Davison pastored here for 20 years and, and, um, and preached through this series. And, and in my estimation as well, Brother John, one of the most impactful messages. Heard it at Sagmont um, when he preached camp. Let me read the text that he sent. Landy said, but 1 Samuel um, 8, or 1 Samuel 9, and the sermon from Brother Davison, Saul, chosen and equipped to be king from that passage is the most impactful sermon of my life, personally. Said uh, Tyler Prater, gave me a copy of that message my freshman year. This is not the actual CD, but it is that, that this is that sermon on CD. It was preached at Southwest during the previous school year, 2002. Before I arrived, it's a powerful message, and you can listen to it. You can go on to heartlandconnect.com, and it's there, uh, and, he, and Brother John made comment on that site. God used this message to change the direction of my life. Um, in many ways, uh, I wonder where John Landy would be tonight had God not used that message. He might be in New Zealand. I never knew that. That's awesome. <laughs> now, the sports commentator, I think I could see that, you know. So he said, God used it to change the direction of my life. Thank you, Tyler Prater, for handing me this CD my freshman year, 2004. I, I am not even going to attempt to try to preach or re-preach the message, but Brother Davison had Southwest, had many of you, you're here, you heard it, probably remember it. Um, that uh, part of the sermon was really built on Psalm 34, verse 7. Delight thyself 
also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. How many of you know that verse? How many of you know that verse? Quite a few. It's a great verse. If you uh, want to memorize a verse that will help your life a lot, that's one of them. There's many. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight thyself in the Lord. One of the worst things that could happen to you is for you, for God to give you the desires of your heart at a time that you're not delighting in God. It's basically the gist of the message Brother Davidson preached that day. One of the worst things, I don't want to move on before everybody gets that. One of the worst things that could happen to you is for God to give you the desire of your heart at a time that you're not delighting in Him. We're going to see that this became a reality in the life of Israel. We also really need to take heed to this. And I'm, I'm just praying. I've been praying for this message. That first of all, God would use it in the life of the land. He's just to be an encouragement to them and a help. Um, but, um, but also to all of us. Um, that God would use it just to speak to your heart. And I, I really feel like in many ways, uh, church, that we're just going to get started on it. I don't, I don't feel like we're going to cover everything that we need to, but we'll sure take a good run at it. Because Israel at this point was at such a pivotal time in their history. And so many of your lives, really all of us, you're at a pivotal time in life, making big decisions. And that's not just pertaining to those that are young people. That's pertaining to everybody. Um, you're at a pivotal time of life. The children of Israel, the nation Israel, had just come out of a fantastic revival. I mean, they, they got rid of idols. They got things right with God. They... Uh, committed their lives back to God. They, um, they, they lived in light of the fact that we are dependent on God. And this lasted for a good while. I don't know how many years. Some, I read somebody that said 20 years, 25 years, somewhere in there. Uh, a good while. But sadly, and, and, you know, they'd forgotten Ebenezer. Ebenezer, the stone that Samuel set up, you know, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. And, and so if God has helped us to this point, God will help us on. But something changed. Something bad changed in Israel. And I don't believe it was Samuel. I believe Samuel's still on the straight path that he always was on and having the same conviction, same values, same prayer life. And, and so it's not like Samuel had become an Eli. And I, I realize what it says here about, about his sons, and, and we need to understand what's going on there. But but uh, something changed in Israel. Uh, a new generation came on, and with that new generation, there's new desires. They came to the prophet of God and said, you're old. You're old. Your sons are ungodly. I don't, I don't believe personally, I don't believe that Samuel set them up as judges there um, knowing that they were ungodly. I, I, just, I just can't wrap my brain around that. In fact, the, and if I'm wrong, then I'd be glad to be proven wrong. But, 
But it does say they walked not in the ways of Samuel. They didn't have his convictions. They didn't have his values. And could I just put it on pause right here to say to the younger generation that's growing up in this church, uh, many of you that have grown up here, or many of you even that are here as students from Heartland, and you've got a godly family, you came from a godly church, and, and, and all those things are in place. Hey, may I remind you that, that the convictions that have brought us to this place and the values that have brought us to this place, they're not generational in the sense that it's, that it's uh, relegated to a past generation. No, it's for every generation because if these things are true and they are, then they are true for every generation. But the Bible says that Samuel's sons walk not in his ways. How sad to have that example in Samuel and hear the preaching and yet to say, you know, that's not for me. I, I don't want those convictions. I don't want those values. Basically, they were saying this, I don't want that God. It's dangerous. And so they turned aside. That's, that's part as I got into the study of it. That's part of what made me uh, contemplate at least that perhaps they were installed in righteous ways. Maybe they just had the appearance of righteousness. And listen, that's another problem that you could just have the appearance or the image of Christianity. I'll tell you how you get real frustrated in life. I'll tell you how that you, uh, how that you live a frustrated Christian life. You do it this way. You try to maintain the image of Christian life without a relationship with Christ you'll end up frustrated. So that doesn't mean this, throw away the Christian image. No, it means this, get a relationship with Jesus Christ. Walk with him and, and talk with him and fellowship with him and, 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 and embrace his truth for your life personally as well. But, but here it says that they turned aside. And so that would, that would lead me to think that perhaps there was a time when they were doing right. They were they were involved in the ministry for the right reasons, but then they turned aside after money and they turned aside after, after bribes and they perverted judgment. In other words, it's basically saying this, that just like Eli's sons, they started using the ministry to benefit themselves. Now, I want to warn every one of us here tonight that the ministry is not to benefit us, but rather we are to be used of God to be a benefit in the ministry. And so that's what happened. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said this, a new generation had emerged in Israel with new leaders who had new ideas. God's people, listen to this, this is really good. God's people must have wisdom to adapt to new challenges without abandoning old convictions. Samuel, you're old. We already established that. You're old and your sons are wicked. But that wasn't their motive, was it? They didn't bring that up because they were concerned about the spiritual state of Israel and the direction that Israel was going. Really, their motive was this. I tell you what we need here. We need a king like all the other nations have a king. And they got their eyes on some things and they began to have some desires. Are you listening to me here tonight? They began to have some desires. They looked at the Hittites. They looked at the, the Gergeshites. They looked at the, the, the uh, uh, other ites. They looked around. They said, man, look at them. 
And I, I listened to that message that Brother Sam preached. It do everybody here good. I'm just telling you, do it good to listen to it. And, and, and he mentioned how they got around, they looked at all the pomp that the kings had, and they had a palace and had royal royalty and the robes and everything, and, and, and they had chariots. I mean, man, wouldn't it be awesome to have a king leading us into battle just like those other kings did that we defeated? Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome just to wouldn't it be awesome just to be normal like all the other nations around here? Wouldn't it be awesome just to kind of fit in with them? Is anybody listening to this here tonight? Wouldn't it be great to be just like them? Immoral, ungodly? polytheist? Wouldn't it be great to have rape running through our land? Wouldn't it be great to have sodomy going through our land? Wouldn't it be great to have drunkenness in our land? Wouldn't it be great to... Really? They didn't think this through. By the way, the desire to have a king was not necessarily a bad desire because God made provision for that. In fact, it was the will of God that they would have a king. They would have a king, and God said uh, to Abraham and Sarah that kings will come out of your loins. In other words, you're gonna, eventually your lineage is going to give birth to kings. And, and he said to Judah that the, the scepter shall not depart from you. And, and so that's indicating that it would be from the tribe of Judah that a king would come. And, and, and then you read in Deuteronomy chapter number 17, and God said, here's the kind of king that you need to have when you go to have a king. You have one among your brethren, and you have a man that's not going to multiply wives to himself and not going to multiply horses forces to himself and not going to multiply money to himself. In other words, you need a king that will be a reflection of me and trust me, not trust his power, not trust his kingdom, not trust his wisdom. You need a king that's just like me. You don't need a king that's just like the people that are around you. They said, oh no, we want a king like the Hittite king. We want a king like the Hittite king. We want, this is getting into a little bit of a pep rally, isn't it? We, we want a king like the Gergeshite king. We want a king like their king. We want to be just like them. And it broke Samuel's heart. And Samuel prayed to God and God said, Samuel, You've been dealing with them now for about 40 years. I've been dealing with them for over 400 years. (laughs) They've been this way ever since I saved them. Isn't that sad? They've been this way ever since I've saved them. And and, and they want a king. Here it is, actually. Here's what it was. They did not want a king after God's own heart. They wanted a king after their own heart. The bottom line to this was this. They did not want God to rule over them. They wanted to be free from God. They wanted to be free to do what they wanted to do. They had all these big dreams, these big desires. They wanted to be like all the other kingdoms, mighty in power. So ironic. That they were willing and ready to leave everything that God had done for them. And, and by the
by the way, this also. They were ready to leave a very well-proven way of life that had already been established, had already been verified, that had already been that which could be measured to see that God and His way of life is the way of life that He is pleased with. And also, you listen to this, it's also the way of life that will really make your life truly blessed. It's proven. But they said, we want to forsake that which we have known, maybe because we kind of got tired of it. I'd like to have a king with a palace in a robe driving a slick chariot. And all we've got is Samuel, the old prophet. And all he does is preach at us. So tired of preaching. He's been on this circuit traveling around. Now he's too tired to travel. I wish we'd get out of God's rule. And then we could have our own desires. And here's what God said do. Let them have it. Let them have what? A king. Really? I get what I want? Yeah, you get what you want. But just remember, as we solemnly protest unto you, that you get what you want, but it's not at the time that you're delighting in the Lord. Who do we get? Who do we get? Who do we get? Saul. That's awesome. He's tall. Head and shoulders above everybody else. You see him in all his regality. Tall Saul, Brother Sam preached. Tall Saul, oh man. What's his credentials? What's he been doing? Where's he from? He's from a little tribe called Benjamin, son of Kish. What's, he, what's his job? What's he been doing here lately? Hunting donkeys. <laughs> He's been hunting donkeys. Here's the worst thing about it. Unsuccessfully hunting donkeys. <laughs> He hadn't even been able to find them. So you want to go from God being the ruler of your life to the unsuccessful donkey hunter? That's what we want. Are you sure? They had no idea what was coming their way. You know, it kind of reminded me of America, America that has such a rich heritage, even under God, and that God has blessed our country. But there's so many that are rising up. And I don't, I don't mean to be dramatic here or say, and say so many if there's not so many, but there is a many that are saying, we don't want that kind of a government. We want socialism. Have you studied world history? If so, what world were you studying? And when has socialism or communism or anything like it ever been a benefit to anybody? Makes no sense. But we want to be like Europe. We left that a long time ago. Amen. We left that a long time ago. We want to be like all the other nations. We want, to, we want to be like them. Oh, mercy sakes alive. And we've been blessed so much by God. 
Israel said, we want a king like all the other nations. And God said, I'm going to let you have your king, but you need to know what you're getting. And he gets into the last, last part of the chapter. And we're not going to get into that right now, but here's, here's the main point that we need to see. Israel had a wrong desire because they had wrong delight. They were not delighting in God. And as a result, their decisions and their desires were off. One of the worst things that could happen to you right now is for God to let you get what you want if you're not at a time of delighting in God. Let me ask you this. What do you want? Let me ask you this. In whom do you delight? Whom do you delight? Do your friendships right now reflect the fact that you've been delighting in God? Or do you have wrong friendships as indicating that something's wrong about your delight? Are you, are you saying something like this? I'll tell you one thing. I ain't never going to be a preacher. Okay, here, here's the question. Did you come to that conclusion because you were delighting in God? I mean, you can tell right there by the tone of that. You didn't come to that conclusion because you spent time with God and God showed you he wanted you to do something else. Is this making sense? I tell you right now, I don't want my kids going to Heartland. I don't want my kids going to a Bible college. I don't want my kids going into the ministry. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on. Wait a minute. Um, did you come to that statement because you're delighting in God who cares about the gospel and the movement of the gospel across the world? You see how that works? We don't even think about it. That we have these desires that are kind of wild and out there or they're, they're there in our hearts and minds and they kind of get edged in there. And listen, here's the danger. You can make some of those decisions and, and, and contemplate and think through and harbor some of those desires at a time when you're not delighting in God. Actually, it's this, when you're displeased with God, when you're dissatisfied with God. When you are rejecting God, it may be there's a student here. If you don't mind me, we're talking about a student that came here a few years ago that was ready to leave after your first semester. Is that right? First year or so, somewhere right in there, ready to go home. And, and so maybe you're here because somebody told you to be here, your mom or your dad, or you had nowhere else to go. And so you came. You may be at a time and you don't even really want to be here. Wait a minute. Let me ask you this. Are you delighted in God? Because the problem is not the school. The problem is not the church. The problem is not your family. The problem is that you've got a problem with God. I'm glad John Landy didn't leave after his first year. But he had a desire to go home. But he didn't have that desire to go home because he was delighting in God. He had a desire to go home because he was delighting in himself. Well, this is a very nice and encouraging sending service for a man that's going to the mission field, isn't it? I'm going to get to that here in just a moment. Let me, let, me, let me deal with something else here just right quick. 
It seems like there's been a, a recent surge of people that maybe were in an independent fundamental Baptist church that are now blogging or doing posts or emailing or writing books and they hate IFB. I mean, there, it, there's a, there, there's a, there's a, a uh, I mean, just a bitterness that's out there and a poison that's out there and, and they're, they don't like the church that they were raised in. And then listen, I want to say up front, it's not like we're perfect. Nobody here has ever made a claim that, yeah, this is a perfect church. We do everything right. We always have a right attitude and spirit. No, I, I realize there's wrong there and where we're wrong. We need to get things right with God. Isn't that right? We need to get things right with God. But I, I, don't, I don't believe that those that, can I just call it like this, the IFB haters, if that's, I don't know if that's what they'd call themselves or not. I don't know, but, but they're out there and they, they, might, they make fun of our position about the King James or they make fun about our position about dress standards or they make fun about our position about movies or they make fun about our position about this or that. And, and they just say that we're trying to control everybody's life. But it, wait a minute, hang on just a minute. Before you rant and rave and blog and post about all that, let me ask you this. Are you coming to a decision about all that because you've been delighting in God? Because it sure doesn't sound like somebody that has got a heart for God that's saying all this the way it's spewing out and the venom that's a part of it. And I don't even blog. I don't even read them. I don't even, I don't even get into all that. I don't have social media. I'm not against it. I, I just don't have time for it. I really don't. And, and, and sometimes I'm glad that I don't because I don't even want to know what's going on. But I'm concerned because there could be a new generation that's got new ideas that's saying we've got new, strat new difficulties here that we've got to deal with and we've got to toss these old convictions and these old values out and what we want is we want a ministry just like Life Church or just like whatever other church or whatever, like that church that's rocking out. We want a, we want a ministry like that so that we would fit in with them. All the while, they're telling their own members or people that attend there that if you really want to get Bible preaching, go to Southwest Baptist Church. Or go to a church that's here. I'm just telling you things that are out there that as we knock on doors and people from those different types of ministries have said that very thing, that if you want to get Bible, then here's where you go. Well, that's a blessing. <laughs> what kind of church do you young people want? What kind, of, what kind of marriage and family do you want? What kind of school do you want? Huh? What, what, I mean, really, what kind, of, what, kind of, what kind of youth ministry do you want in the future? What do you want? And here's what you got to do. You got to make sure that what you want is coming out of, of a delight in God. But if you're not delighting in God, then listen, if you're not delighting in God, then your desires are going to be way off and your decisions are going to be way off. But if you say, you know, I really believe that God is and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him and you spend some time alone with God and you pray and you seek his face and you listen to preaching, you don't get mad at the preacher when he preaches and you don't say to him, you're old and bald headed. And you're just, you're just a legalistic mindset. You're narrow-minded and, and you're just trying to control us. No, listen, it's not restriction for the sake of restriction. It's this. We know that there's a lot of wickedness out there that'll destroy and demoralize your life. And Satan will do you no good and Hollywood will do you no good and, and wickedness will do you no good. And I'm saying that to families and everybody here tonight. It still does you no good, I'm just telling you. But God will do you good and get a real relationship with him and he'll lead you the right way and protect your life and keep you from making a big 
big old mess of your life and ruining your life and ruining your name and messing up a whole bunch of stuff. What kind of family do you want? What kind of church do you want? What kind of future do you want? Then listen, you better make sure that your desires are coming out of a relationship with God where you delight in Him and you get to know Him and you spend time in His presence and you love Him the most more than anything else in this whole wide world. You love Him and if you do that, friend, listen, your desires will be right and your decisions will be right. But if not, you'll be just like Israel and your life will tank and you'll miss the potential that you had in your life because you got all wrapped up in your desires and maybe who hurt you and disappointed you and all this junk and all this stuff and you're going to think that God is mean to you and that's not it at all, friend. He's still the God who can deliver you and will. But you got to delight in Him. But John, you mind come up here just real quick? Miss Grace, do you mind to come up? Okay. John over here. Miss Grace here at the pulpit not to preach. <laughs> you boys want to come up? Okay, Landy boys. Noah, you want to come up? You want to stay there? It's up to you. Y'all come over here. We're going to have a wrestling match. No, that's kidding. <laughs> My boys know that's right. They, they get us in the landies, boy. Get after it, don't they? Man, I love it. Noah's right there. Julia's child care, nursery. Yeah, that's good. Okay, this morning, I know many of you weren't in the service here, but um, we talked about Jesus taking the disciples to the other side. And... Um, let me get one more person. But Sam, you mind to come up just to help? You're part of logistics. Okay, let me just let you just hold that over there by the mics. It'd be great. But John, if you'll take this. Okay. John Landy, at age probably 17 when I met him, <laughs> had a big old mop. His hair. Met him at college days. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I mean, you don't forget somebody like that. I guarantee you. Man, he came bounding in. I had just preached in the gym where we had chapel. And man, his hair was flowing with him. <laughs> I'm telling, oh, yeah. I'm telling oh, yeah. it. It's true. It's true. He had no idea that God at that time was going to call him and move him to the other side, literally, of the world to go to Sri Lanka with this family. At this point, his delights were really in himself. Showed up out of dress code. Is that right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's hold that, that part of it right there. And God began to work in his life, and he moved him. But along the way, he began to feel a resistance. <laughs> We need another anchor, too. <laughs> About his freshman year or so, as I mentioned a moment ago, he had the desire just to go back to Yakima and do something else. Start studying sheep. <laughs> and he could have went back. He shared with me, uh, and we heard him say some other desires he had, but he had other desires there that 
Really, at that time, here's the point I'm trying to make. He was not delighting in God. And so his desires at that point were not right. Enter a man named Tyler Prater who says, hey man, you need to listen. I don't know if that's how he said it or not, but it sounds like him. Hey man, you need to listen to that preaching. Mm -hmm. R. Wilson, first floor? Room 119. 119. 2004. And that message is essentially what you've heard tonight about delighting in God and allowing your delighting in God to determine your desires. Because the worst thing that could happen to you is for God to give you your desire at a time when you're not delighting in Him. And I, I fear and tremble to think about what would have happened had John Landy said, I want what I want. And God would have said, okay, I'll let you have what you want. And he went back to Washington. And I'm telling you, he never would have married her. But here's what happened. He started to delight in God. He started actually to listen to preaching. And he started to read his Bible and he began to pray. Basically, if I could just bottom line it right here, here's what he did. He started delighting in God. And he left his comforts behind and he left his priorities behind and his goals behind. And he began to follow God and he dropped it. Every now and then he ran back to it. I watched him. He was our adopted son. And his eating habits helped us get ready for three boys. <laughs> God gave him a, a love for preaching. God gave him a love for soul winning. God gave him a love for, for people. God, God, God gave him a love for other people on campus. His desires changed because his delight changed. And then he moved a little bit closer here. And God brought grace into his life. Everybody needs grace. (laughs) Grace noticed Brother John. But she knew this. She couldn't commit her life to him until he had committed his life to the Lord. And so she prayed for him that God would break him down. Telling it right, Miss Grace. And change him. And God used some people in this room. Miss Elaine Lanou takes credit for it. I believe her. <laughs> Is that about right? Yep. Yeah. In the process of time, God brought them together and gave him the delight of his life. And I saw his wedding picture as he jumped off the platform to go get her. <laughs> Eight foot tall, plat- four foot tall platform, somewhere right in there. It was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> he had a desire. And he got married. And God brought them together and then gave them Five boys, Noah's there, and a girl. Y'all come over here now. Brought them to the other side of marriage and family. He says all the time, I've got an amazing wife. (laughs) (laughs) Is that right? Is that pretty good? I tried. God gave him a desire for college students. You know what God did then? God put him on my heart and them on my heart about being the college and career director as we transitioned. And he did a fantastic job. And then I made a bad decision and allowed them to go to Sri Lanka. (laughs) And what God did is he gave them a desire to reach the unreached people. And he started saying things like this. Nobody who knows them knows Jesus. Have you heard him say that? 
or something the equivalent of it. No one who knows them knows Jesus. And they'll live and they'll die having never heard of Jesus Christ. That God gave them a desire. What, where did that come from, beloved? Where did it come from? It came because he started delighting in God and God gave him the desires of his heart. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. And then you actually, here's how it works. You actually get what you want. Are you for real? You, yes, you get what you want. You say, well, sign me up for that. Okay, delight yourself in the Lord. And then he gives you the right desires and then he gives you what you want and enables you. And then he's going to take this family and transplant them across to the other side. Why? Because they left all that behind. Not because they don't love America, not because they don't love us, not because they want to be somewhere else, but because of this, they delighted in the Lord and he gave them the desires of their heart. And we get to be a part of it. But I'm asking you tonight, is your delight right? Because if your delight's not right, then your desires won't be right. And if your desires aren't right, your decisions won't be right. I'm, oh, beloved, I'm, I'm beseeching you here tonight. Make sure, make sure, make sure that your delight is right. Let's stand together here tonight. Thank you all. You may be seated. It's a checkpoint to make sure your delights are right. You're at a pivotal time in your life, regardless of your age. Speaking with older, dearly beloved saint at the GIBF this meeting, this week, I'm sorry. And he said, I want to finish right. Even in old age, you can make some bad decisions if your delight's not right. How's your delight? How's your delight? Show me your decisions, I can show you your delight. It works that way. Show me your delight, and eventually God will show your desires. How's your delight? Is it right? Great God, we call upon you tonight praying that you would somehow use this message to intervene in the heart and mind and soul of your sheep to analyze and check their desires to make sure that they are delighting in you God I pray you'd help me to delight in you and all of us to delight in you because in our desires will be right and our decisions will be right Help us not to want to fit in with the world, but to go to the world and share the life-changing gospel with them. God, keep us from a desire to be like all the others that are living an ungodly life. God, help us to have the right desires there. Dear God, I pray tonight for the battle that may be going on in hearts that you'd speak through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As we have invitations, some are coming for baptism. Some have come to pray. How's your delight? As we sing tonight, page 607, Footsteps of Jesus, would you come?